and welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast. I'm Dan O'Rourke, and today I'm with Father James Mallon. Good morning, Dan. And also alongside me is none other than Ron Huntley. Hello, everybody. So today we've got uh, a really interesting topic. It's uh, it, we continue on our, our our path here of talking about uh, tools and having conversations that really are, are are intended to help leadership in in parishes and churches around the world. And uh, today we've got an interesting topic. It's around Alpha. Uh, why don't Father James? Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about Alpha for those who who aren't maybe familiar with it? Sure. Well, of course, this is the Divine Renovation Podcast, unpacking themes in the book. And Alpha is a tool of evangelization that I've been using for almost 15 years now. And the funny thing is that the person who introduced me to Alpha is is sitting to my left. It is none other than Ron Huntley, who called me um, when I was take, had my very first parish, and I'd finally, you know, I had my own parish. I could begin to try to do work of evangelization and try to wake it up. And he called me and said, I've got this amazing tool that I think you'll love. And since that time, I started using it, and I found this this disproportionate impact. You know, because often we, we pour in resources and time and energy doing all kinds of stuff with very little results. And I found just with a little bit of effort, Alpha produced amazing results. And by amazing results, I mean change lives, people transform, people coming into a personal encounter with Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, experiencing amazing community in the small groups, and becoming really what Pope Francis calls missionary disciples, and how slowly this tool can awaken a whole parish. So what is Alpha? It basically, what is Alpha? It's a, it's a 10-week process. Um, I, I almost am reluctant to use the word program, but it, it's a process or experience. And it's it's hosted by the local church, so it's not a movement. It takes place within the parish. And it's a, a, a course, it used to be called the Alpha Course, um, which comes out of uh, an, an Anglican church in London, England, Holy Trinity Brompton. And basically, it's introduction to Christianity, basic Christian faith. But the key thing about Alpha is the way that it, that it works, because it's designed primarily to reach the unchurched. It is not a catechetical tool to reach Catholics in the pews. It can really work in awakening Catholics in the pews, but that's not its primary reason for existing. And so it's primarily designed to reach those on the outside. And it begins with a meal, an experience of a meal, and then it moves to a talk, a talk on some aspect of the Christian faith. You know, why did Jesus die? You know, how can I have faith? Why should I pray? Who is Jesus? And then there are small group discussions. And it's these three components together that make Alpha. There's also a Holy Spirit retreat weekend, and that's often where people have their lives impacted. So that's a short summary of what Alpha is. I've been using it for for You, you wrote about it in your book too, though. Yes, I, yes, I, I, yeah, like that's right. It, it, I'm not sure if it was a chapter so much as I think it was sort of laced in a few It's a few laced different all throughout because Alpha really has been a game changer for, for me in, in my various parishes, in my ministry as a priest, and especially here at St. Benedict Parish. We mm. kind of like we were able to apply, you know, learn from all the mistakes we had made uh, in the past and put it all together. And so and we're, we're still going forward with it. Right. I was going to say, I still cooked up a few new mistakes since then, too. <laughs> <laughs> so we're actually, we're not here to talk about how awesome Alpha is. I don't think that was really our intent, uh, at least today. Uh, so, so, Ron, you had, um, you had sort of articulated the way that you wanted to, um, to address the topic. So what are we, we going to talk about? Mm. Well, let me 
frame it too in the context of the fact that we've just returned from the amazing parish conference in 2015 and uh, Father James spoke as one of the keynote speakers and part of what he spoke about was Alpha and there was a lot of interest there and so we thought a great follow-up mm. to that conference and a lot of the great questions would be to do this podcast and so at one point I had written a talk called the uh, 10 how to kill Alpha in 10 easy steps and uh, I did that because I was helping a, a local Catholic Church launch Alpha with a brand new team and I wanted them to understand all the mistakes that they could make and that they would probably would make if they didn't have some of the I guess the soft skills around Alpha and so that's why I wrote this talk. No, Ron, I just I'm just thinking like uh Boy, that sounds awfully negative. What good, what, I mean, well, why not uh, 10 easy ways to make your alpha experience awesome? Why, why the negative framework? I think part of it is to get people's attention because a lot of people think they're going to do it well anyway. And so they don't see the mistakes uh, when we put it in that context. But when I talk about 10 easy steps to kill alpha, nobody wants to kill alpha. Nobody intentionally kills alpha. You do it by mistake. And and as Father James mentioned, he's been doing it for 15 years as of I. <laughs> killing and it by trust mistake. Me, we have been killing. <laughs> yes. we've, we've succeeded despite our, our, our mistakes. And so we just want to share some of those learnings to make it easier for people to get to those successful kind of... Uh, parts quicker. No, I asked that. I asked Ron that question, but I too probably would frame it as, as you have because alpha in itself, I often think of, of playing golf. I'm not a very good golfer um, most of the time, but primarily because whenever I do get a hit, hit a good shot, I have no idea how I did it. I don't know Honest how. I don't know how I did it. And uh, I can't replicate it. And of course, we've all heard the old adage, just let the club do the work. It's when you know, you're thinking, I'm going to smash this thing and then mm. you totally duff it. And Alpha is kind of like that in my experience. Like if you get out of the way, the club will do the work. It will work. And so it's what you do that will probably wreck it. And so I, I think Good that point. I think that, that approach of talking about be aware of because if you if you just don't do these things, the club will do the work. Uh, a space will be created for the Holy Spirit to come and to touch people's lives and you, for your parish to be transformed. So, so Ron, why don't you why don't you tell us what the what your top ten mistakes are? Your top, sorry, why don't you tell us what the top ten ways to kill Alpha are? <laughs> All right, here's what I've come up with. Number one, don't have a full meal. Scale it back to a snack or something easy. Just uh, get right into the videos. Number two. Modify the weekend away. Change the talks. Cut out some of or change the content altogether. Number three, don't pray. Go on your own steam and your own willpower. Number four, teach in small groups. Have the table team teach about what the right answers are. Number five, be intense. Skip all the fun icebreakers and get right to the meat. Don't laugh or smile too much. Be very serious and religiously intense. <laughs> Number six, talk Catholic. Assume most people are Catholic or are familiar enough with the Catholic culture that we speak Christianese. Bring up sacraments, the Pope, Catholic doctrine. Number seven, choose leaders who think they deserve to lead. People with long Catholic resumes. People who want to be leaders because they can form people properly. Number eight, pick a team and keep the team. Have low turnover policy and make it like a kind of a club. Number nine, have someone with low ability lead music. Pick songs that are difficult to sing. And number 10, don't have a plan past Alpha. Let people experience this authentic community and transformation and then simply invite them to Mass once a week. 
Wow. Okay. So there are so many there, and some of them are hilarious. Uh, what, <laughs> Unfortunately, some of them are very familiar. <laughs> <laughs> As someone who's never run Alpha, I, I can feel comfortable that I've never made any of those mistakes. I'm hoping there's actually a few people listening that also haven't run Alpha, and we're, we're helping them to, to, to not make the foils uh, before before they step or down the path. Or even more importantly, I'm hoping some people are running Alpha and go, holy cow, that's what we're doing. Why is that killing my Alpha? Because I didn't know. Because a lot of these mistakes people are making and they don't even know they're doing it. Yeah, instead and of a so, meal they're serving gummy bears. This is this is their this is your moment if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. So I guess we we're going to break these up I think over the next 3 weeks because there's a, there's a I mean Ron you could probably come up even with a <laughs> I, I mean this could have been 250 ways to kill alpha. <laughs> but we're just going to go with 10 for now. We're going to break them up over the next 3 podcasts I yeah. believe. So what, what what are the three topics we're going to hit this week? All right. Well, I've, I've got three that I, I noted that I thought might be a good place to start. Uh, why don't we start with how to choose leaders and maybe talk a little bit about the importance of training and uh, possibly let's go into uh, avoid the desire to make it Catholic. Mm, good okay. point. Great. So one of the things when it comes to choosing leaders, it's really important. Like the, You have to understand what the values of Alpha are. And as Father James mentioned, it's predominantly for people who are unchurched or maybe fallen away from the church. And so it's important that we choose people who are relevant to the audience we're seeking to reach. Yes. And so uh, if somebody has a real need to carry their prayer beads with them all the time and be praying in groups and things like that, probably not going to be somebody who would be a great leader in a, in a small group in an alpha. You want to get people who are fun, who other people like to be around, who are contagious and can accept people for where they're at without feeling like they need to defend the church. Because if we do reach yeah. people outside the church, they probably have a lot of hang-ups and or misunderstandings about who we are as a Catholic community. And so if people feel like they need to defend the church or can't hear things that might be difficult to hear without their face kind of contorting and <laughs> and showing obvious signs of discomfort, then they're probably not going to be a great person to have on your team at a table. Yes. They might be great people to That's serve right. the meal or to do the setup. A lot of people can be involved, but you need people at the table who are super sensitive to people who might not be comfortable in a church setting. I often think if you had a brother-in-law or a best friend who was, had been away from the church, who hadn't come to faith, and who had really had a lot of questions and fears about the church, and you finally were able to convince him to come on Alpha, who would you want to be a small group leader? Hmm. That's the kind of person you want on your team to, to lead in small groups is that kind of person. Someone who's going to be incredibly loving, non-judgmental, welcoming, kind, patient, funny, fun, not intense. Um, that's, that's the kind of person. I, I remember when I was reading uh, Evangelii Gaudium by Pope Francis, and I think it's paragraph 35, I'm, I'm quite sure, but uh, he says basically evangelization in our context today has to be non-judgmental, and it has to be about listening, and that's really uh, what the qualities of a small group leader are. Well said. Now, what does a small group look like? Just so help, help people picture oh, what, that, what, what that looks like so that when they're picking the leaders, that they understand the context that which those, those leaders are going to be operating in. I'm glad you bring that up because when I first started doing Alpha, what I thought was I need to do it for as many people as humanly possible. So I didn't value team, to be honest with you. What I valued was the number of people going through Alpha. Mm. So I was very inclined to just have one good person as a leader and maybe a helper if I had one. So I'd only have two. But Alpha in their manual recommends four. 
they recommend uh, a host or somebody to facilitate the conversation, maybe a co-host, someone mm-hmm. that host maybe can, has to be away for work or something or sick, and then two helpers. And so four table team at every single table. And you have about eight guests. Now, sometimes, Father James, we, we have 10 guests, don't we? Because you'll have attrition. And if the table gets too small, it can get a little bit awkward. And that yeah. does happen from time to time. So don't fret. Even Nicky Gumbel said at one point his uh, table went down to one. Yes. <laughs> and so that can happen. But sometimes we start with a little bit of a bigger number. But that can kind of get us in a bind too sometimes because if nobody, you know, if everybody shows up, then it makes the small group dynamic difficult because you want usually no more than 12 regular attenders. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And normally you would have someone, like if you've got two leaders, because, you know, sometimes people can't make it absolutely every single week, but you've got to, you can, people can take turns to lead that group. And it also gives a, a, an apparatus by, by which you can mentor new leaders as well, because if there's two, then you can take the, the turns that you need and the main leader can, can give feedback to the other person as well. It's a good point because one of the things and one of the mistakes I've seen another group make was that, they, because they started with a lot of good leaders, and so they didn't want to insult anyone by making them a helper. Mm. Uh-huh. And so they had all four people leading. That's a problem, and let me tell you why. Because what that models is, if I invite you as a guest back on team, you will have to facilitate the conversation. So there's no easy step then to yes. come on team. It's too intimidating. Yeah. And so even if you st- you're starting your alpha and you're picking great leaders and you're one of those parishes that have so many good leaders that you have four strong people leading, you'll st- I would still encourage you to have two of them as helpers who predominantly remain silent throughout the small group discussion because we want to hear from the guests, not the people on the team. The goal is just to yes. facilitate conversation. And, and so probably the thing you'll say the most is, well, that's very interesting. What do you think of that? Yeah, or, right. that's neat. What do you mean by that? So you're pulling conversation out of people, and then you're batting it around with the guests. Now, with that said, sometimes <laughs> silence is deafening. So you'll go back and ask the same question differently, and you'll still get crickets. And that's <laughs> when you want your, the rest of your team to maybe interject quickly, do it with a great deal of... Um, honesty and vulnerability, but be brief so that they can get back out again and hopefully that will kickstart the conversation. But I would say I've undervalued when I first started Alpha the value of having four people on team because that's where the leadership engine of Alpha really kicks in. I think, too, one of the key things about Alpha is that in everything we do in Alpha, uh, at every single level, we're communicating values. We're actually teaching, and people aren't even aware of it. Uh, so people, like like what Ron just said, if you if all the team are are leaders, what it communicates is is that to the guests is that next step. If if you accept to be on to come back on the team, you're going to be put in this role. And so a key in Alpha is to be aware that in everything we do, we 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 communicate something, and what we want to communicate to people are easy steps, non-threatening. Um, easy to take. Um, so that's that's a really key thing. You know, it reminds me of a time when I was involved with soccer administration. I got involved with uh, soccer in an organization that was uh, administratively falling apart. And I was able to get involved and, and help. And, and their philosophy, their key philosophy was everything was for the kids. But yet they had no volunteers. They were burning out their volunteers. They were burning out their executive like crazy. And I changed that understanding philosophy to be, no, we need to create win-win situations for our volunteers and our athletes. 
And it changed everything because we realized that if we were going to have sustainability, we needed to have volunteers who loved what they were doing, who are taking on only a big enough piece that it was still exciting and energizing and they were being built up from their time with us. Well, you know, when it comes to Alpha, sometimes we get so focused on the guests that we forget that there's an opportunity to raise up leaders. And Alpha is also about raising up leaders. That's why it's a better culture than yes. it is a course. Alpha yes. as a course is 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 good, but only good. But as a culture, it's amazing. And by by culture we mean, you know, the what you eventually begin to presume, what you eventually begin to take for granted or consider normal within your context. So is such a way of being church, is it normal in your parish or is it just this group that meet on Tuesday nights way, way off in the corner? And Alpha will eventually uh, change that, you know, with, as, as people come come through it. I think in the end, just to kind of bring uh, this this question to a, a close, in my, my years doing Alpha, I used to oftentimes avoid going in a small group because as a, as a, as a priest, it was very hard to keep that host-guest dynamic because that's the essential dynamic in a small group. It's not teacher shouldn't. When I would go in, I, it was a combination of people's expectations. Okay, we got the priest. We can ask all the questions, <laughs> and he's going to give us the answers. And my own love of teaching, it's like, it's like it, it killed me because I would teach people, you, you're not supposed to teach in a small group, that I'd go into a small group, and I'd be like, ah, I want to teach. I want to give people answers. And it was so difficult to do. So in order to avoid that, for many years, I would, I would not go in a small group. And I remember I could always tell as I listened, as groups were in different rooms or different parts of the hall, who the best leaders were. Because after, you know, four weeks where there was a lot of silence and when I would hear the voice of the leader all the time, I yeah. knew that that was a disaster because mm-hmm. the leader was talking all the time. And then the, the groups that it was like 50% laughter, nonstop laughing, those were the best groups. In fact, those were the groups where people had changed lives. Those are the groups that had the most people come into RCIA. So that's a key thing to remember as well. It's going to be fun. You're the host. You're, you're not a lecturer. You're not a teacher. You're not a guru. And sometimes... Even bringing like people who have newly come to faith, you know, they come they come from being a guest to being a host. But you may very quickly within two courses move that person up to be a small group leader because sometimes the person who's new is the one who's more sensitive. They remember what it feels like to walk in. It's like, oh my goodness, I'm in church. Is the roof gonna collapse on me? Like I'm I'm scared. I'm 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 ready to bolt. They remember that feeling, and they're the most sensitive to 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 guests who come in with that sensitivity. And that brings up a good point, too, around, okay, let's say your alpha's coming to a close. So how do you decide who you bring back on team? And, and again, I think one of the things I look for is, has somebody had a transformative experience? Because sometimes you'll see just spiritual lights get turned on during the alpha course, and you can see it. It's on their face. It's, in, it's the way they carry themselves now. And those people often make great people to come back on team just because they're so enthusiastic. But I'd also say sometimes there's people who came in complete doubters and only came because their spouse dragged them or threatened them or bribed them, which I I endorse all three of those things uh, because Alpha is often an experience that people are completely surprised how much they enjoy it. Now, uh, sometimes they get to the end and they're still not sure what they believe or if they believe. Do you know what? If they've had a good experience of Alpha, they've enjoyed the people, I've invited those people back to be on team as a helper too. Because oftentimes as a team member, especially those people that come in skeptical and kind of are holding back, kind of thinking somebody's going to, you know, 
sneak up from behind and do something religious to them and, and capture them or something. They go through Alpha and they realize, wait, that didn't happen. Maybe I can trust these people. So when they come back on team, oftentimes the team experience is even more powerful than their experience as a guest. And so sometimes it's what completes that that conversion of heart uh, to Christ is being on team. So there's sometimes there's different motives as to guests that I bring back on team. The only people that I wouldn't bring back on team are the people that cannot be sensitive socially in a small group to cutting people off or talking too long or teaching. If they can't get that throughout the process, sometimes we'll end up pulling them out and talking to them a little bit to try to coach them, to help them, to enter into the spirit of Alpha and what a small group should feel like. But if they can't get that, I don't bring them back on the table. But a lot of the other people... Well, on that note... But, but you can, I mean, just, to, just to, to say a point, that it's, it's one thing to bring people into a small group, but there are many other roles, you know, in the kitchen and such mm. uh, that you can bring people into. And I know that one of the things we do is mm. in the last couple of weeks of the course, we begin to ask our leaders to identify, to constantly be on the lookout among the guests or who could be on the future team. And I correct me if I'm wrong here, but my understanding is that is that we have like the different areas of roles and see, you know, how do your gifts match these potential roles? You know, right. So. And even sometimes I, I remember one particular lady, Lisa, she loved, she wanted to be in the kitchen and I didn't let her be in the kitchen for two seasons because I knew that coming back on a table team, she would grow so much more. So although her gifts were oriented towards the kitchen, I knew in terms of discernment mm. that being on team at a table would actually be what she would need to grow incredibly. And it's exactly what happened. And so it was interesting. Yeah. Well, that's fabulous, guys. Why don't we talk a little bit about um, the importance of training? And uh, Ron, when you, when, you, when you state that as, as, the, uh, as one of the ways to fail, <laughs> what is exactly you got in mind? Well, it's interesting, Dan, because being a part of Alpha Canada, I didn't realize, but a lot of people don't do training. Yeah. I had no idea. In fact, I think Alpha Canada was completely surprised. They had no uh, idea recent that many stats people. showed that, and I hope I'm not speaking out of order, but uh, 40%, of course, is they don't do training. Forty <laughs> percent. They, they don't do the full training. They maybe do some training, but... Forty uh, percent don't do the full training. Oh wow! And it's funny, you know. I think part of it is because Dan Alpha looks so easy. Hmm. It's one of the neat things about it. I mean, in a sense, it's kind of like golf. You pull your thing back and you hit it. Well, how hard can it be? <laughs> well, it's hard. Yeah. But 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 Alpha, you know, you talk to people, you eat, you have a discussion, you watch a movie. How hard can it be? And so I think we presume that a yes. lot of people automatically get it. And hmm. to be honest with you, they don't. Yeah. In fact. We make people go through training, not just the first time they come on team, but the progression of team too. Maybe I should just speak to that quickly is small group helper. And if they've made a great small group helper, we might make them a co-host. Not always, but if, if, they, have the, if they have the capacity. And then our best co-hosts, we will make facilitators or hosts, the people that stimulate the conversation and keep it going. Um, and so... One of the things with training, even if people are coming back subsequent times, we make them go through training every single time. You know, it's kind of like an NHL team. Yeah. Do you just get your, your, your players that are trying out for the team to come to the tryouts and the practices? Because, you know, our good players like Sidney Crosby and Nathan McKinnon, they're already good enough? No. They're showing up too. They're getting to know their new teammates. They're getting to know the plays. They're driving home these principles over and over again. And that's what we do too. I think the key thing is that if we're going to be as a, as a parish evangelistic and, and mission oriented, it, it, you have to be intentional about it. It doesn't just happen by itself, but 
by ourselves, we drift. We drift back to the center, not to the periphery. Mm -hmm. uh, we drift towards hanging out with our friends, going where it's comfortable, uh, and we forget. that We don't even aware that we're doing it. Uh, one of our last alphas that I was involved with, I remember by, uh, I think it was the second week, uh, they started the, the the music, and a couple of our team members spontaneously started clapping. And I, I was like, <laughs> I ran, to, I, I felt like running to them, but I, I had to wait till afterwards because that's like a total no no. Like no, because they they simply forgot. They're around they're around familiar people. There may be other team members. That's what happens. We do this at the nine a.m. mass. We, we're, we're used to this. But we for, we were totally forgotten. We've made the biggest mistake. We've forgotten that for the non-church person, that terrifies them. Absolutely. Like, what the heck? Is, is this a cult I've joined? You know, like, so everything in Alpha is sensitivity to that person. And it's a gradual shift because there's a big difference between week two and week nine. A world of a difference, but you've got to go slowly. But we can all forget that. And, and so we need to be reminded again and again and again and again. <laughs> And the three topics that are reviewed in the team training are how do we run a small group, uh, how do we care for people pastorally during Alpha, and how do we pray for people on Alpha. And those are three values that we want to permeate every single ministry in our church. Exactly. And so how do we run small groups? I would translate that to how do we actively listen to people without judging? Yeah. And pastoral care, how do we love people? And how do we pray with people? Well, how do we minister to people in the gifts of the Spirit? How do we be sensitive to people's need for prayer? And so those are three principles that we want to change people's lives. And I'll often say to people who come through the Alpha training, we're teaching you this not just for Alpha. We're equipping you to live your life as a Christian in every area of your life. So this isn't yes. just so that you can participate as a team member of Alpha. This is how we equip you to follow Christ in a powerful way. So for those for those uh, organizations, those churches that are either running Alpha, the 40% that aren't actually doing training or all the training, and uh, the others that haven't yet uh, taken a step down this path, what, what does the training look like? I mean, you've, you've, you've helped to choose your leaders coming out of the previous Alpha a session or, or by, you know, scouting out in, in terms of your own church community. Um, what, what does it look like to, to, to pull those leaders in? What, what does that... Well, one of the things, and, and one of the ways I've grown in terms of doing Alpha is I, I would often not ask too much of people. I was always afraid to, to ask too much. And so, hey, if you, here's the dates. If you can come, come. That would be great. Mm. I have totally changed my yes. perspective. Now I, sh I provide all the dates for training all the dates for Alpha, the fact that they need to be there a half hour early and stay a half hour late, plus the celebration dinner, plus the weekend away, and I let them know when I invite them. Can you make it to 100% of these because it's essential? And I start with that as my starting point. Yes. Hmm. And with team training, I let people know it's mandatory. Absolutely. And so make sure you're there. And now with that said, sometimes people will have a really good reason why they'll have to miss one. But they, they, they have the video format for them. I'm pretty sure they're probably even online. And so there's no excuse not to have the content. The other big thing we do, too, is, you know, if you're going to create a team, it's not just about information. Just like Alpha, it's about yes. getting to know people. That's so right. we do some really fun icebreakers. I want people laughing, horsing around, getting to know different people because I'm trying to model because it's 
eight, just because you're on team doesn't mean you're comfortable with these new people that you're meeting. So we have to teach them again that's how right. to step out of your comfort zone, how to talk to people. You don't yes, that's one, one of the things you know, it, that we go, always have to remember again and again is that at every level, in, in every dimension in, of, of Alpha, we're modeling those core values. And, and training is not so much about, you know, here's the how-tos, here's the tools, here's the rules, here's, here's how we're going to do this. It's, it's to catch that, 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 those core values of Alpha. And that is, I like to think of it, um, of it really being a different paradigm of what we're used to within the church. And by that, I mean that, you know, traditionally in our church, in our world, we, we had very strong social values. People knew what the right or wrong behavior was. Uh, lines of belief were, were, were quite clear. People in some small towns in Nova Scotia literally lived on one side of the railroad tracks as opposed <laughs> to others, depending if you were Catholic or not. And then, you know, if you if you behaved and if you believed, then you could belong. And, but the thing is that today in a postmodern, post-Christian culture, we need those, that approach flipped. And this is the beauty of Alpha, is that it begins with belonging. This is key to understand this. It begins with belonging because people, you know, we often still today try to start with behavior. And it's absolutely bizarre because people have no context. They, they neither believe nor belong. And, and people today aren't going to say, well, I'm not, I, I don't care if the Bible says it or the Pope says it or whoever says it. I'm, I'm going to behave according to what I personally believe. And no one's going to tell me what to believe. It, but when people's beliefs change, their behavior changes. And how do people become open to, to, to their beliefs being changed? Well, obviously, it's the proclamation of the gospel. But when people, unchurched people first come in Alpha, they're very suspicious. The walls are up. And so that's why the experience of belonging, which is nothing short of love, and acceptance begins to build a relationship of trust as the weeks go on and slowly the walls come down and they begin to be open to that truth that that has the power to to save our souls. And I think in many ways, this is the core thing we're trying to get through and remind people again and again at Alpha Training. And it totally reflects that quote from Pope Francis, which I spoke about earlier, which in conclusion, I realized was the wrong reference. It is paragraph 165 of Evangelii Gaudium. And, it, and just listen to this and see how much it reflects the core values of Alpha. He's talking about evangelization in our present context. All this demands on the part of the evangelizer certain attitudes which foster openness to the message, approachability, readiness for dialogue, patience, a warmth, and a welcome which is non-judgmental. Wow. It sounds like that Bang came on. right from the Alpha Manual. So that's, that's, that's Pope Francis, Evangelii Gaudium. Is he able to come to our next Alpha? <laughs> start him slow, start him slow. <laughs> do have that life-size cutout here. <laughs> yes, we do. All right, well, why don't we, why don't we, why don't we segue over to the, um, the, next, uh, the next item on our list here, which is to avoid the desire to make it Catholic. <laughs> so what are you, mm. where are you going at here, Ron? What, what, what's in mind? Well, it's funny. I have to laugh at this <laughs> because Father James called me out because I, I got to confess, when we used to do Alpha in Moncton, when I lived in Moncton, I had a good friend of mine who was a pastor and he would come on the weekends with us to provide, uh, to provide reconciliation. I'm so embarrassed to say this. Not that I don't love reconciliation. I do. I love our church. I love our sacraments. And uh, we would have uh, mass. And I remember talking to Father James on the phone one time. I don't know. He must have asked about the weekend. 
I told him, he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> what do you mean? He said, man, this is alpha. He said, give them the alpha experience. It's a brand, whether they're Pentecostal or Anglican or what have you, they should be able to come to any church, experience alpha, the same as if they were anywhere else. You don't need to hijack it and make it Catholic. And he was bang on. I was instantly convicted and never done it again. I've turned from my ways. But I am a convert to that reality. The, the, the core thing in this is, is that Alpha is a beginner's course. I, mean, I remember in grade 10 science, learning one thing about molecules and the inner working of, of, of molecules, and I've, I've totally forgotten what it was, but there was a certain point that at the very first class in the next year, the high school teacher began by saying, remember what we taught you last year? Well, it's actually not completely true. Here's the next level of, of information. It was very interesting because I thought back, well, why didn't they just tell us that last year? And I realized it, it was a gradual teaching and filling in of the whole picture. And I, I sometimes can't help but think that if, if Alpha had been developed in the Catholic Church, it probably would have been a 54-week course <laughs> and probably would be, would be proposing answers to questions that most people are not actually asking. Because remember, we tend to view things through the lens of, uh, I want a catechetical tool for church-going Catholics, as opposed I want an evangelistic tool for people who are actually outside of the church. I think, um, again, of a, a passage from Pope Francis from Evangelica, and this is the paragraph 35 quote, uh, where he, sa- he says this, pastoral ministry in a missionary style is not obsessed with the disjointed transmission of a multitude of doctrines to be insistently imposed. When we adopt a pastoral goal in missionary style, which would actually reach everyone without exception or exclusion, that's key, Mm. one that will reach everyone without exception or exclusion. Remember, sometimes we reduce the new evangelization to just, oh, we got to go and get those fallen away Catholics. Where does that come from? Our missionary mandate is to reach all people. So with, to reach everyone without exception or exclusion, the message has to, be, has to concentrate on the essentials, on what is most beautiful, most grand, most appealing, and at the same time, most necessary. The message is simplified while losing none of its depth and truth, and thus becomes all the more forceful and convincing. Again, I, I can't help think that, that uh, Pope <laughs> Francis has read the Alpha Manual, because um, this is what we do. And the thing is, the key, the goals of Alpha are to bring people into personal encounter with Jesus, to experience of the Holy Spirit, to experience His Father as our Father. So brought into the life of the Trinity, an amazing experience of relationship. Now, here's the thing. Jesus said, we're two or more gathered, there I am in your midst. The Alpha small group, the, the Alpha evening, the big community, is an experience of church. Now, the end game for us as Catholics for evangelization is to bring people to the altar, to bring people to the summit, the source and summit, which is the Eucharist. But let's do it one step at a time. Let's bring them into that relationship. And then once they're in that and they've had that life-changing experience, then comes the whole question of what you do next, which is a, a, a absolutely key uh, issue, which we're going to address in a future podcast. I mean, you should not run Alpha unless you have a plan for what you're going to do afterwards, but let Alpha be Alpha and don't try to stuff a whole lifetime curriculum into 10 weeks. Mm. And that's often, Dan, that's often the question I get the most when I get people calling this parish about advice is, how do you how do you make it Catholic? I mean, <laughs> well, what do you mean? I actually know what they mean because I used to do it. <laughs> I try to pretend I'm not that guy anymore. But they're concerned Concerned that they're ripping people off if they don't give them the sacraments or if they don't teach Catholic doctrine. Hmm. And they don't realize. And, and so I guess what I'd say to the people listening today, 
are here's my experience of the fruit of Alpha. And I want to share this with you, and I want you to hear it, and I want you to trust it. Just try it. The fruit of Alpha is, one, people want to learn more. They want to learn more about their Catholic faith. Mm -hmm. Two, they start reading Scripture. A lot of people buy a Bible for the first time, or they dust off that one that somebody gave them years ago. Uh, Three, they, they start praying regularly. For they want to be around other Christians now. And so what it does is it creates a hunger. One of the things that you talk about in your book, Father James, is the whole idea of planting seeds in concrete, right? We're trying to feed people that aren't hungry. So I say keep the good food, mm. you know, fresh and, and just meet people where they're at. And so we really do try to avoid making things Catholic. Now, with that said, let me tell you how hard it is in team training. So we train people. We talk about those values. I couldn't be more specific about it because we do live training. For years, we'd use the videos. Videos are great. But when I came here, Father James says, why don't we do it? We do talks for Alpha. I said, yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. So we've been doing it that way ever since. We actually get other people to help us train too from the church. But that's why the pre-meeting and the post-meeting for every Alpha night is so important because I have to reiterate that, Dan, over and over and over again. And just like Father James said, you know, when he was running Alpha, he would tell people, don't teach. And then people would ask him questions and he'd catch himself Mm -hmm. teaching. So it's the hardest thing to do is to not answer the questions and allow the conversation to go Catholic on us. Here's the thing. I like to think that Alpha, in a sense, is like tofu. You know, like tofu takes the flavor of whatever you've, you've, you've got with it. The point is that (laughs) <laughs> is, are There's alpha- people listening going, tofu, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm really, like, you know, at least pick something. People, I love tofu, but I know I'm in the minority. <laughs> but, it, but in a sense, that it, it, well, here, here's what I mean by that, that is the alpha we run here, is it, if you come to it, is it going to be if any different from the alpha that's run over at the Baptist church if they're doing it the right way? The answer is no. However, by the virtue of the fact that it's done, either within you know the catholic uh, parish within the building or by that parish with you know put on by catholics right. makes it totally catholic in that yeah. sense uh without changing anything because if people come to faith and have a life-changing experience the relationships that are formed through alpha will naturally will will be I want to come to church well where are they going to go to church they're going to come here Yes, and where where are they going to continue on? They're going to continue on the formation here because they've 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 formed relationships, and uh, that's why we've seen you know you know two thirds of our people who are in RCIA have all come through Alpha because it, without it being necessarily Catholic in a sense, it is thoroughly Catholic. And I just want to also say one thing about Ron. You know, you said about you know not talking about Catholic doctrine. Well, obviously, what Ron means is you know uh, uniquely Catholic doctrines because, you know, is right. the divinity and humanity of Jesus a Catholic doctrine? Is the Trinity? Is prayer and the resurrection and <laughs> the Bible? Uh, basically, what's, Those in, come up in, what, what's <laughs> in the, what's in the creed? Uh, uh, the the t- teachings about the church, are these Catholic things? I mean, the, the talk on the church in Alpha is is like uh, the first half of Lumen Gentium. Uh, there, yes, there are, there are, there's more to be said. And, uh, you know, in terms of follow-up, there's two tasks when it comes to follow-up. And just I know we're going to talk more thoroughly about this, but just very quickly, there's two tasks. And, and when I first did Alpha, my primary concern was to fill in the catechesis. So we created a course called Catholicism 201. Catholicism that focused on, 201. That focused on uh, we fin- 
filled out the ecclesiology. We taught on sacraments, marrying the saints. Like, what, and six, seven languages and uh, uh, <laughs> four Chinese, uh, Russian, Spanish, <laughs> English, you know. And you can't bite in any of them. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's currently not not for sale. But not anyway, currently for we, sale. my primary focus was let's fill out the catechetical information. But now over the years, I now realize that the first task is really to get people continuing in small groups, mid-sized groups, and in, in communities where they experience relationship. Because if they're caught into that, then you've got the rest of life to, to fill in the blanks. This is not a sprint. This is, this is a marathon. And so I really believe that if the end game is to bring people to the Eucharist, uh, the best way to do that is let Alpha be Alpha and don't change it. Don't try to add in Catholic elements. Take your time. Do it properly. One of the things that I saw tweeted when you were at in London giving your talks at the HTB Leadership Conference, something you said was that I want people to get caught in the web of relationships and everything. And that's so well said. I've never heard that said before. That is just exactly what we try to do here is to, to help people get caught up mm-hmm. in the web of loving relationships. Two things I want to say. One, what happens when you're running Alpha for the first time? I would say 99% of the people that will do your Alpha are from your church. So what does that do to the dynamics of a small group? I'll tell you what it does. We're all Catholic anyway, so let's let this run Catholic. I want to tell you why I'm going to encourage you not to do that, and then I'm going to tell you how you can not do that. So the first thing is the why. If, if we have a small group discussion or a small group experience through Alpha and you, that's your experience, well, when we come back on the next Alpha and 25% of them are from outside the church, your normal experience of yes. Alpha is going to be your first one. That's, right. that's why we can't allow people All to right. hijack it with yep. specifically Catholic topics and culture. So you have to stop it right from the very beginning, even though you yeah. know everybody's Catholic. Encourage and, them not and to I, do that. I generally recommend, even if, if parishes are saying, we want to start Alpha and we want to, we're going to invite everyone. And some churches have done this, and it's been very, very successful. But then the challenge is, is making the turn that this is not about people in our pews. This is about reaching out. So I'd encourage people, if they, if they are planning to start out, actually, yeah, invite men, many of your church members. And we, and we did that here. But I think our first Alpha was 20% non-church goers. And that helped us all, uh, all the parishioners who... The who, very who first one. The here. very first one, yeah. So... Uh, was that be sensitive to that group, be sensitive Mm. to that group. Because once you model that this is just a bunch of Catholics getting together to talk about their faith, it's very, very, very difficult to break that, very difficult indeed. And the other thing you can do is put your strong Catholics together in one small group table and and try to keep them away from the people that are maybe coming back or who are unchurched. And so we build our tables like that. Absolutely. If you put an unchurched person with a bunch of on-fire, passionate Catholics, it's a total, total disaster. It takes about five minutes for that person to realize, I don't belong here. Oh, wow. This is not for me. And that can be tricky when your alphas aren't very big because you don't have a lot of choice. If you only have three tables, well, where do you put them? Do you put the 20-year-old with the 80-year-old? No. Mm. And so it, it can be tricky, but that's where coaching and strong leadership at tables matters. But here's something, too, I want to share with you in terms of how. You know, people might say, well, that's a good question. What about reconciliation? Why do we do that anyway? I don't like to go. And it's like, well, I would say to that person, that's a really interesting question. You're going to really enjoy the follow-up we do called Catholicism 201. But for the sake of Alpha and and what we're talking about here today, can I get you to pause that? Because that's a great question to be answered in a follow-up course that we like to do here. Let's get back to the question, bang. And so I'll always acknowledge it, Mm 
and then say, you're really going to enjoy, so that they know there's something after this. There is a place to ask that question, but I don't let people hijack it on things that are specifically Catholic in culture. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. And and because we mentioned it a couple times in in passing, at least in jest once, Catholicism 201 was a Catholic follow-up to Alpha that that Father James, you were central in creating uh, almost a decade ago, I think. Mm. Um, I'd like to tell people this is my younger brother. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, anyways, it's currently in fundraising mode to, to come back to, to life and to be resuscitated and modernized. Um, but at the moment, it's not for sale, and uh, hopefully it, it'll uh, it'll find its way back in, into the uh, the Catholic world. Uh, look, guys, we've talked about all sorts of things, and I, I desperately want this conversation to keep going because I am having a lot of fun and I'm learning a lot. However, it's it's only fair that uh, that we take a pause and um, that we come back and touch on some of the other uh, the other top ten uh, ways to fail <laughs> in, in, in our next podcast or so. So. Um, with, with that said, Father James, thank you so much for being here today. If people want to find you, where's the best place for them to, to hunt you down? Um, I, on, on Twitter, uh, at F, fjmallon.com. No, no, sorry. <laughs> at okay, And then there's also frjamesmallon.com. And of course, don't, don't forget divinerenovation.net. And uh, Ron, where, where should people hunt you down? My Twitter account is at rmhsbp. And so I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter, and uh, we'll try to continue to inspire you and keep you abreast of the things that are going on here at St. Benedict. Excellent. And I'm Dan O'Rourke with JP2 Media at jp2media.com. And uh, next week we look forward, or next time, we look forward to, to having another great conversation around Divine Renovations, the amazing thing that we can find, all the, the content and fodder that's in that book, and uh, to keep in touch with all things Divine Renovation, including a conference that was recently announced. Uh, we encourage yes. you to go to divinerenovation.net, where you can sign up to, keep, uh, to stay up to date and uh, learn more about all things divine renovation coming down the pipeline. So take care and we'll talk soon. All the best. best.